Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender coming to you from Key Largo. The Keys Bartender podcast is about Keys life, bartending, and life in general. This past week, I've been dealing with some personal things on, on Sunday, well, starting last week, my father, who was has had a ongoing lung condition, contracted COVID, and he went into hospice care on uh, Friday and on uh, the wee hours of Sunday morning, uh, he passed away. Now, this is pertinent because we're this is about life, and uh, life happens all around us. It happens in bars and it happens in the Keys, and it's one of those things. And it's when it's a parent or a child, it's a very tight relationship. And mine in particular, my father, like many of you that have parents and have lost parents, they were the best parent you could foresee as having. And I felt the same way about my father. And and so does my, my sister and my brother. And how we deal with it at the end of life is kind of... Uh, emblematic on how you were raised, how you were, you know, what kind of person you are, how you're going to be there for, for your, your passing of your parent and, and for the people that are close around him. My, my father was married to, uh, for 30, I think it was around 38 years to his wife, Ruth. Um, she is, uh, survives my father. She's a sweetheart. And uh, he made sure that he wanted to know. He says, listen, when I pass, and he was preparing us. My father had this going, ongoing condition. He's been preparing us for years for this. We knew this was going to be uh, the only termination of his lung condition was going to be death. But you're never really ready for it. You aren't ready for it. And in this particular case, what happened, I, it, it, ended much uh, less, let's say, painful than I thought it would be for my father. Because I, I, I just had these visions of what his end of life would be like. And it turned out to be a much more, let's say, less harsh ending. And that's, the, you know, death is harsh on its own. But there's some that are more sudden and uh, harder to take in. And death is a hard thing. They ha- that's why they have stages of it. And I, I'm not an expert in grief. I know uh, when there's a sudden death, you have to go through all those things. I think with these people that knew that know it's going on for years, in this case it was years, uh, you're able to prepare you go through those things they call denial, bargaining, uh, anger, acceptance. I think there's five stages and I missed one. I know I missed one. But we were on the way past, uh, you know, I was on acceptance right when he got, went into hospice care the last two days. And no matter how old, I'm almost 60 years old. I know there's people, I've, I've had friends that lost their parents when they were very young. Very, very young. Some of them don't even remember their fa- uh, father or mother. 
And um, I mean, that's a, a its own unique thing. But as an adult, when you have the opportunity to spend your into your, I'm almost, I'm almost a senior and my father just passed away and I was very fortunate. I knew uh, a lot of times you think in the back of your head and you think, boy, he was such a vibrant, healthy man until he got this disease. And it wasn't brought on by smoking or anything like that. It was uh, some, one of those things that happened. I guess they're going to find out or not. They're, you know, checking it out. But it's important for that us to be able to put a I won't. I don't want to say a period, but a, yeah, a period at the end of someone's life, even though their legacy d- does carry on, and their legacy is his children, the works he did, and my father uh, did. Uh, he grew up in Philadelphia. He was the only child uh, to a couple, uh, Jim and Sarah Edna. And he grew up in Philadelphia, went to school, high school there, and he graduated. He went to, uh, he, in his junior year of high school, he got his parents to uh, sign a release that he could join up, do an early entry into the Navy. And he it was reserves in the beginning. So in the summer before his senior year, he did boot camp. And he was in the reserves his whole senior year in high school. And they ended up going right into, upon graduation, into the Navy, which he had uh, stayed for 20 years, ended up a uh, senior chief petty officer. And then he went and did another job. He worked at a circuit board company for about 16 years. And then for uh, about, I, I hate to say, what it, probably about seven, eight years later, he, uh, well, for seven, eight years after he worked for the circuit board company, he was uh, a sales manager there. He became an instructor for the Philadelphia prison systems. Actually, it was for a Jewish education and vocational service. And he, he taught uh, vocational skills, computer skills to inmates. And he really appreciated the job. He liked, he liked that because he, um, and he liked his, his relationship with these inmates was more of a, um, you know, as an educator, he liked, he liked that because he'd go in the, he, he was bringing some light in these people's lives. Regardless, obviously, they were doing their time and he was getting them ready for life afterwards. And then after he retired, finally retired from that, he uh, did uh, tax returns for low-income seniors. And my dad was a very active man, like going to the gym. He until until that disease kept him homebound. He had to get oxygen and stuff like that. And then you seen he was still the same man, but you know he was tied to his house, had tied to that oxygen tank. But uh, in all those years, I talk about he was he was such a wonderful father. You know, you always hear this thing: you can't be a friend and a parent. My dad was one of my closest advisors. He was one my best friend. And we used to spend hours again, uh, talking on the phone each week. Until last week. Until last week, obviously. And uh, that's a missing part in my life. And as I'm sure there's a bigger missing part for my, my stepmother's life, Ruth. Who, who took care of him wonderfully in the last couple of months. And, and there's uh, missing in my... Uh, sister's life and my brother's life, their spouses, their children. 
that's that's his legacy and he was so good at being there for us he was there for us he cared for us he gave some good advice he showed up at big events he used to um, he used to take us on family vacations as children to wonderful places considering we were just a middle class family but we went to Disneyland and Disney World and um, he used to take us to the beach and get a, a place down there and then as adults even as adults, he would take his the whole uh, family out on a cruise. He would get us together. He did that uh, two, three times. And we, he, he was just a joy to be around. He was a pleasant guy. Uh, he was very uh, open to people. He was open to people and friendly with people. People enjoyed his company. He was uh, lighthearted in most, in most things in life. Dad always says, you know, you don't have to... You don't have to feel bad. He says, you know, that's a decision you have to make. He said, he said a lot of things. He had a lot of uh, affirmations that he did un, unconsciously. He didn't realize, I guess, they were affirmations, but he would, t- he would tell you that. And he always used to use those acronyms, you know, you know, keep it simple, stupid, and stuff like that. And he didn't mean it like calling people stupid. That was the one of the harshest ones he said. He wasn't much on cursing. You know, and my dad taught me how to be kind of an equanimity to everyone, like not to judge someone who was different, had a different background, right? Had a different, different color, different religion. My father was very uh, open to new relationships with people and, and talking to people that were unlike him. So... When there's a passing of the parent, you think about your loss, you think about the things that you miss and all that stuff. But a lot of times people don't think automatically of the thing they got from having that person around, the things, the gifts they received and the time they spent with them. It's not, uh, you know, if you think about the good times and you think, well, that's going to end. And you get sad over it. It's mainly uh, missing missing someone. I don't want to go on, on the record to say missing someone is a selfish act. But it's also missing someone is actually an act of love. Because you love someone and you want to have them around. And when they're not around, you do miss them. But if you really want to mem- you know, create memories and and really remember the person in your life if they loved you and you love them they want you to be happy they want you to be happy they don't want you to be sad they want you to remember the good times and the things they did my father specifically asked me several weeks ago he he said listen i wasn't really uh happy and thorough with the obituary that I wrote for your grandmother, my mother. He was an only child. He says, I felt I should have put more of her accomplishments into her obituary. And I said, Dad, you were handling that all by yourself. And I'm sure you had a lot of things going on. That was just you. I have my brother, Ted, my sister, Peg, and we're working together. And I'm sure I'll be able to do it right. And I did. And they did. And we worked together. I created a document and they they I sent it around they edited it added what they needed to it and now with all these things you have nowadays we're able to cre- create online albums of the person's life 
in memory of. I do make a suggestion is if you want to write something that you, is made for public consumption, if it's for the family, you can go very long. If you can go for the family, because family have a tendency, they'll read everything. But a lot of people don't have that long of an attention span. I hate to say that. So if you want to tell them about your loss, tell, you know, pick some points in that. Like, say, listen, this person always knew how to make me feel better. They were very supportive and they were very loving and they were there for there for you all the time. That, that, that hits those points. You know, they were wise, they were funny, they, they were, you know, you, know you, hit those, you hit those very important points that kind of fill in the, uh, gives someone a rough outline of what that person was, who that person was, and how important they were to you. And that's what we do when we do memorials and funerals and things like that. We're celebrating a, a life. Some people are mourning a life, and I don't, you know, if that's your thing, then mourn the life. But remember, without the initial life, meaning without that person be, being born, there is nothing to be talking. So if there's no, that person did not exist. And I do have a point here. If that person doesn't, did not exist, there would be no point in saying anything afterwards. But that point of existence is not all misery for very few circumstances at all misery. There's a lot of happy things in there. So why would you concentrate necessarily on the worst part, which is actually sometimes the end? But sometimes the end could be some of the most beautiful part. It could be like when you're seeing how your family comes together. Like if a, the, the father, uh, the children of the father are together watching, you know, spending time with the father as he's going through the last uh, breaths he's going to take in his life. On uh, Saturday morning, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't in Dover, Delaware. And prior to that, I, I couldn't go and see my father because they were, he was under COVID pro protocols and they weren't letting anybody in. But when it became, we didn't, unbeknownst to me, that once it became known that he was going to be passing, they allowed family in. And at that point, he was already, uh, they were feeding him morphine and they were making preparations that he would be, um, it, was, it, it was going to be the end. So they figured, you know, might as well just let the family in, in which my brother and sister got there, my stepmother, and they, and I was very fortunate that my brother and my sister found it very um, a, a priority having me FaceTimed in the whole time. So at 10, 15, 10.15 in the morning, we uh, started, I, it's nothing better than hold vigil. That was it. We were holding vigil, watching our father. They, they put the, um, their cell phone cameras on my father, who was uh, out, but still breathing. And we spent the next 16 hours or, yeah, it was, I think it was, yeah, next 16 hours with him until he took his last breath. And uh, 
it's a little different when you have an expectation of it. When you're doing it, you know, and you have all that time and you have all those things to say. And you can't, you, even though they may not be hearing you or all are hearing you, it gives you closure because you're able to say that while they're, they're still with us. Stay to, say those things. And so I know it's harder for other people that aren't there and they just go suddenly and it's such a shock. For us, it wasn't a shock. It was just like a dull weight that got on. And I know this doesn't really help explain who my father was. But you hear, you may hear in the previous episodes when we talk about him, my father used to give me advice. He said, Jim, you know, when you're doing your podcast, I don't think it's you're being too nice to your wife, Abby, by talking about how attractive a woman is. And I was telling my dad, I said, Dad, I, you know, I don't have a problem saying that. And Abby talks about how good looking some guys are and stuff. I love, we love each other. But I, that, my dad was that kind of person. He was thinking about my wife because, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. And I, it was sweet of him. He was always sweet that way. And there's always this thing, even though you're ready and you have your expectations that, yes, they're not going to be with us too long, you still feel that loss. And it's profound loss. It's an emptiness. And so when I'm driving back, uh, I used to, on Monday mornings, and I, Mondays were the beginning of my week, and I'm coming back from my spin class, or I may have worked out and stuff, on Mondays, I used to have, uh, when I, in my car, sometimes it'd take me, depending on traffic, it'd take me 20 minutes to get home. I'd, you know, call my dad and start a conversation with him. And the conversations wouldn't just go for 20 minutes. We'd get, I'd get home and we'd maybe go on for another hour or so. And we used to talk about everything. We used to talk about uh, history, politics, uh, family, talk about what was going on in my life, what was going on in his life. And uh, that time now, when I go this past Monday, um, when I'm coming back to the gym, whenever I'm in the car, when I, would think, I think, you know, this is the time I would have spent with my dad or talking to my dad. And it, it just, it goes there. And it's a sadness there. And people, I guess that happens to everyone. Um, you know, you have friends of his that uh, were lifelong friends. And there was one of his friends uh, that lives here in Florida. He was quite upset about it. And I can imagine that because he's, you know, as your circle gets smaller. But, I mean, that's the thing about you should always try to not overexpand it. I'm not saying you don't want to make more significant people in your life. But it's always good to have some backup. It's good to have backup. Don't rely, you know, that one person that you rely on, if they were gone, you just think, well, if that person you rely on to completely is gone, what do you have to find? When I say rely on, I mean, person you confide in, person you share your victories with, your hardships and all those things. And that was, that was my dad. And I'm sure my, my brother and sister have similar and different feelings on how they miss him. And picking pictures, you know, the things you do afterwards, you pick pictures. You think about the things, writing, like writing that obit, uh, thinking about it, the eulogy, because I'm writing that. And I know it'll probably end up being like 50 pages and then I'll have to boil it down to like 
a four-page thing and do, try to do it from memory. You know, just hit the high points and say, this is, you know, and people are probably listening, my listeners right now, Jim, you better do a lot better than you do in the podcast because you seem to get lost a lot. But when it comes to parents and stuff like that, if you just have, uh, you think about what you want to say, how you want to say it, it's just, you're, you're encapsulating memories and memorializing someone's life. And that's their legacy. The legacy is the how, uh, especially when someone close past you, it's how you react and how you react to the memories of them. Is is the best way to do it. If it's a positive thing, then you're going to have such such positive things to do and to say about them. And say... You know, no matter what your religious tradition is, if you don't have a religious tradition. In, in this case, my father wasn't a religious man. He was, at best, I'd have to say, an agnostic. My father was an agnostic, uh, though he was not an atheist. He, he, my father says, I have no idea what's out there. I guess I'm going to find out. And, uh, so when some so when some people are saying when they say things about what tradition was raising and stuff like that and they get sad I said don't be sad dad's very hot dad dad went through hardships at the end of his life and now he's free of that now we don't know where that free is in what form but and and a part of the memory and it part of memorializing memorializing something is yeah it would be nice. If we were all religious, we would want him to have, we want to have a service for our father, a religious service. But this is memorializing my father, not memorializing our memories of our, I mean, we are memorializing our memories of our father. But if we're going to pay respects to him, we got to pay respects to the things they wanted to be, how they wanted to be remembered and in what structure we're going to do that. So I think he left us really well prepared. And I do, uh, I, it's weird, even though you're ready for these things, it's still weird how your mind plays uh, things on you. Like you're, you're saying, oh, I feel really good. I'm, I'm doing all right. My dad prepared me for this. I knew that was going to happen. And there's still this profound sadness that you're missing someone. Very essential to your life. But they're still there. They're, he's still there for me. I still hear. I spoke to my father enough that I think I knew his mind almost any time I asked him something. I was never really surprised by his judgment. He was morally consistent all the way through, all the way to the end. You know, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. So... My dad stayed that way. And when I say morally consistent, there's people who are morally consistent and there's a low bar. They have virtually no morals. My father was a very moral man about helping other people, caring about other people, how people should be treated and uh, respected. And uh, so I'm going to end it. I know we didn't talk about uh, bartending, but this was very important to me to uh, talk about him uh, as in anyone's life. And... When we're, when we are showing uh, condolences, no matter what someone says to me, 
if someone says, I prayed for you, I did this, I did that. And I, I don't go and point out, you know, my dad wasn't a really religious man, so praying. No, I don't say it. I go say, thank you. Thank you very much. That it's, it's what the person's intention. If someone, if, if some Jewish guy wants to go and say to Kaddish for my father, say to Kaddish for my father. You want to, um, you want to uh, say a mass for my, uh, my father, a Catholic. He was baptized Catholic. You could do that. You know, whether a Methodist, Baptist, whatever tradition, stuff like that. I will be honored if you feel that you can pray or do something in your, in your tradition too. So I don't, I'm not offended for that. When someone says my condolences, I'm sorry for that. And I go, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I feel heartfelt and I appreciate it. And I do. And I do. But the, like I said, I was very fortunate to have been in the presence of this guy and have him as my father. And I hope you've had that too. And I hope you can be that way for your children. I hope I can be that way for my stepchild. I don't know if I could be as constant and even killed as my father. I'm more volatile, I think. A little more volatile. They say there's a lot of things I share with my father, but in some places I was a little different, you know. So I'd like to thank you for listening. This is purely my my thing today. I do. And have a great day. And make sure, you know, while you're, you have your loved ones with you, make sure you tell them how much you care for him, whether you can say it, you care, I care for you very much, I love you, you're very important to me. But make sure you tell those people. Make sure they know that there's no mystery in there. This is Jim the Keys bartender. Have a great day. I know, it's a thing, but do. Have a great day. Bye.